The second Bible reading is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And it can be found on page 1226 of the Pew Bibles. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, uh, Malini. Well, friends, let's uh, come to our God uh, in prayer. Uh, let, us, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we pray that you speak to our hearts as we look at your word, that you would encourage us, Lord, in you, as we trust you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, our text, chapter, Ephesians chapter 3, 17b to 21. We've been studying the, the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the church at Ephesus and for believers in general. We saw last week Paul's prayer for believers to be strengthened in their inner being in order that Christ may richly dwell in their hearts through faith. We are to pray for one another that God will strengthen our inner being with power by his spirit and that Christ will be at, at home in our hearts and lives. That Christ will feel and be at home. That every room in our heart will be opened for Christ to richly dwell in that place. That there will be no secret chambers, no go zones for Jesus. They will say, Lord, you can come into this zone, but you can't come into this zone because this is mine. This is yours and this is mine. No, we want Christ to be at home. Just like we are at home in our own homes, I trust, where we can go into any place. So also we want Christ to be at home in our hearts. And what a prayer for any congregation. When we pray for each other, when we pray for our church family, when we pray that Christ will strengthen our inner being by his power through his spirit, and that Christ indeed will be at home in our hearts and lives. You see, we can pray for lots of things for the church, can't we? But let me encourage you to pray for each other that we'll be strengthened in our inner being by the power of his spirit, that Christ will be at home in our lives. And so today we continue the remainder of Paul's prayer as we look at our text, Ephesians chapter 3, 17b to 21. If you have your Bibles, uh, please keep it open as well to that passage. There are four things that I want to uh, briefly share 
uh, with you this morning. I'm mindful of the fact that we have the Lord's Supper as well. And so we want to celebrate that, not be rushed. Uh, four things that we want to see this morning. That one, Paul's prayer is that we be rooted and grounded in love. Secondly, that we have the, the ability to comprehend Christ's love. Thirdly, that we will be filled with the, with the fullness of God. And the fourth thing is, Paul concludes this prayer with a doxology of praise to God. And I have titled the message this morning, God is able. Three words, alright? You remember that when you... I'm not suggesting that you should forget this sermon. I'm not suggesting that that's a dangerous thing to say at the commencement of a talk. But just in case, just in case that happens, just remember three words this morning. When you leave this place, encourage each other with three words, God is able. Because that's what Paul says in the, at the end of verse 21. At the end of this prayer, he says, God is able to do more than we can think. Imagine, he's able to do immeasurably great things before we can even ask him. And so we come to that later. So Paul says his prayer is that we will be rooted and grounded in love. Look at verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 17b, that you may be, that you be rooted and grounded in love. See what Paul is saying, dear friends, is that through the strengthening of the inner being by God's spirit in our hearts, in order that Jesus will be at home in our hearts, leads us to be rooted and grounded in love. The focus here is on love. Now, I wonder why Paul would speak about love. See, remember the mystery in chapter 3? The mystery has been revealed. The mystery is that both Jews and Gentile believers in Christ are equal citizens in God's kingdom. They are one new humanity. And so the church is made up of people today from all nations, nationalities, tribes and languages who have repented of their sins and who are now part of the body of Christ. And what do you think glues the believers in the body of Christ? It's love. It's a terrible thing to have a church that is loveless. It cannot be, isn't it? A church cannot be loveless. You see what I'm saying? If a church, God's people have experienced, and as we will see in a moment, the love of Christ, the church cannot be loveless. To be loveless is to keep Christ outside of our lives. To be loveless is to keep Christ outside of the church. Paul, writing uh, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 13, it's often, uh, that chapter is often read at wedding services, right? It's a thing about love. And quite rightly, it can be read and preached at weddings. But it's more than a wedding sermon. It's more than a little homily at a wedding sermon. It's about a family of God getting together, glued together by love, grounded and rooted in love. And that's what I think Paul is saying here. See, they are a new humanity in Christ, and the, and the church now is glued together by the Christ, by the love of Christ, by knowing and living out the love of Christ. Now, in any church family, there will be challenges, just like in your own families, right? Don't you have disagreements and, and, and challenges in your own lives, in your own families? Of course we do. We might have intense debates about things. We might disagree about certain things. We might have intense arguments about issues 
in our own families as well. Do we walk out of that? No, of course not. We're committed to be there because of the love that binds the family together. And in the body of Christ, it's the love of Christ that binds us uh, together as well. Knowing the love of Christ should make a difference in the way we deal with one another. And Paul says that we are his prayers that, be, that they be rooted and grounded in love. He uses two metaphors. First one is a, a botanical metaphor, rooted. It is a reference to the growth of a tree. He prays that believers would be like a tree that is well rooted in love. Just like the root system of a tree, we are to send down the roots deep into the soil of love. Just like the root system nourishes a plant, so also love should nourish us internally and together as a family. Love is the soil that believers are rooted in. Uh, I remember my mother... Uh, she, she plants all kinds of trees. She, she's actually planted a mango tree in her property, in, in her place in Berwick. And each time I go there, she says, son, look at this mango tree. And I, I'm thinking, mom, how is it going to grow? It's winter, it's everything. But that tree, I don't know. Believe me, I can get a photo and show you. It is still there. It is growing. <laughs> Might be a miracle, a mango tree in Berwick. <laughs> but it's growing. But I remember... Back in Sri Lanka, my mom, uh, she does a little bit of gardening. She's way better than me. And she plants all kinds of things. But she did plant a mango tree in the backyard of our home. And I, as a young guy, was growing up, and I saw this mango tree grow. And, and as I stayed in the place, it, it actually grew to be a big tree. And I would come after school about 3.30, because our school started at 7.30 in the morning, not at 9 o'clock. <laughs> We left home at 6, I left home at 6.30 every morning, by the way. I went to school, I used to come back, and I said, look at this, this mango tree. And you know how I got the mangoes? I was to get the mangoes down. I didn't actually climb the tree, I had a stick. This is actually true. I used to take the stick and throw it on the branch. And bang, a mango would fall down. Dangerous thing to do. But it reminded me of, of the fruit that, that came from that tree. It was deeply rooted. Do you like mangoes? Got to love mangoes. It's the, my best fruit. Really it is. Right. Anyway, that's beside the point. The point is that the tree began to grow and it, it bore fruit. And Paul is using a metaphor of being rooted. Rooted in the soil of love. The root system had drawn the nourishment necessary for the tree to grow. And so also believers in Christ, as they are rooted in Christ, we will see the fruit of love evident in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And that's what Paul is praying here for. That they be rooted. The second metaphor that he uses is the word grounded. Grounded. This metaphor is an architectural one. Any building needs a solid foundation. It's absolutely vital, isn't it? The foundation, as we know, holds the weight of the building. And so we are to be established on love as the foundation. So get the picture, friends. We are to be grounded like a tree, growing and bearing fruit in love. And we are to be grounded on a firm foundation. That is, it gives us the idea of stability. That we don't kind of fluctuate. Today I love and tomorrow I don't love. Oh, I'm not sure where my love is today. No, of course not. It is grounded in love. 
And this is a love that, as we will see as the text works, as Paul works his way through this prayer, it is grounded in Christ. And you know, God does something when you become a believer. You know what he does? He changes a cold heart to be a warm heart for him. Does he not? He takes away a loveless heart and he pours love into that heart. It is not an artificial love. Because it is hard to love. It is, it is very easy to love people that you get along with quite well. Is that a difficulty? Of course not. You like to hang out with them. You like to have coffee, coffee lattes with them. You, you talk with them. You go for curries with them. You, you do lots of things. But it is difficult to, to be able to love those that perhaps you don't get along with. That's tough love. But you know what God does is kind of amazing. Because the Bible tells us in Romans that God pours out his love into our hearts through the Spirit. In other words, that we are able to love even those that we may not get along with. Because love covers a multitude of sin. Love governs the Christian's life. Love is the motivating factor to be able to love and to be able to embrace one another in grace and in love. To be able to say, brother, sister, no matter what we have, no matter what our differences are, what binds us together is the love of Christ. And as we see the love of Christ, as we will see in a moment, it should dispel from our hearts the things of malice and envy and hatred and all of those kind of things because the love of God then is working. It is being rooted in Christ. It is being grounded on a firm foundation. What an important thing that is, my dear friends, for families today. How many times we put on our TVs and it... it <laughs> you will perhaps agree with me. Sometimes you don't want to watch the first section of the news, isn't it? What do you see? What do you hear? Ah, there is domestic violence. Yeah, recently somebody stabbed his wife or cut her throat or did this or did that. And there is there's so much of domestic violence today in Australia. It's appalling. It's such a sad state of affairs. Our families are fragmenting. It's dysfunctional. John in his prayer prayed for SRI. I was listening to a, to, to a discussion with the, 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 the leader of SRI on, on uh, 3AW radio recently. System education in schools and, and the challenge to get rid of all of that in our schools today. There, there is this, this, this push to put Christianity out of our lifestyle. The social engineering that goes behind the scenes is to take Christ out. But what do we need more in our society? What do we need in our families? Love, isn't it? Our husbands and wives to be grounded in love. For families to be rooted and grounded in love. And to know the love of Christ. That's what Paul is praying for the church. That you might be rooted and grounded and established in love. Friends, beyond that, Paul says also the comprehension of this love. We see four special dimensions of love in verse 18. That you may be, have a look at your text, that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of this love. Paul prays that believers will have the strength to comprehend this love. Now I remember 
uh, as a young Christian, I've told this in the past, I've never been to, to kids' church in my life, never seen a Sunday school, never sat under the <laughs> Sunday school teacher, never been to a youth group, right, until God brought me to faith. But I do remember this song. I remember lots of songs. I'm sure you do as well. Young Christians, this is one of the songs that I remember. Wide, wide as the ocean. You know that one? I wouldn't give a rendering of that song here. Right? High as the heavens above. Deep, deep as the deepest sea is my Savior's love. Do you know that one? Or am I... Anyone knows that song? Oh, you do, you do, you do. We can sing it, isn't it? Deep, deep as the deepest sea is... Say, oh my, my Savior's love. I, though so unworthy, still I'm a child of His care. For His word teaches me that His love reaches me. I remember the actions as well. <laughs> Everywhere. Uh, high, deep, deep. Oh, I stood there and did this thing. You see, what we see here is, Paul is speaking of these four special dimensions here. He speaks of the breadth. The love of Christ is wide enough. To encompass the whole world. And in this instance it is wide enough to encompass both Jews and Gentiles. All people from every tribe, nation and language. The love of God is wide enough to embrace everyone. It also speaks about the length, isn't it? The love of Christ is long enough to last for all eternity. And therefore, the love of Christ lasts forever. You see, God's love continues on for eternity. It begins here with the believer coming to faith in Christ and God pouring out His love into loveless hearts and His love continues through eternity. You know, the past week, I did mention to you before that well, I was con- we were confronted, I was confronted with two people that I'd seen a week before. They were taken home. And death stared, stared us in the face. We had a coffin here on Friday. It reminded me as soon as I walked in and I saw that. It reminded me of the, of the consequences of sin and, and that death is a terrible enemy. But it reminded me of something else as well. That the love of Christ is so long, it is so amazing that it carries us on Not just here, but to eternity. Charles Spurgeon said this, It is so long that your old age cannot wear it out. So long your continual tribulation cannot exhaust it. Your successive temptations shall not drain it dry. Like eternity itself, it knows no bounds. That is how long the love of Christ is. It's height as well. It is a love that is high enough to reach to the heavens. There is no place that the love of Christ cannot reach to. And then it is deep. It is a love that is deep enough to reach the deepest place or the lowest of all sinners. Friends, think about that this morning. As we pray this prayer, that our God, our God, has been so amazing... That he has showed the breadth of his love, the length of his love, the height of his love, and the depth of his love to reach down and to touch us with his love and to bring us into a living relationship with this God. It is so amazing. Is it not?
when we combine these four dimensions, what we see is the vastness of the love of Christ. Paul prays that we, with all the saints, may have strength to comprehend the dimensions of this love. And he then continues in his prayer to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You see, you and I can tend to measure love by what we know from our own experience of love. Some may have a great experience of love and some others not so. Think about someone who has not experienced love in the home or in a relationship. Such a person will measure love based on that experience. But Paul's prayer is that we may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This love is so great that we cannot even begin to understand it. It is beyond comprehension. It surpasses knowledge. We can never plumb its depths. It surpasses knowledge. There is always something more to know about this love. There is always more to experience of this love. When is the last time, friends, you reflected upon the love of Christ for you? See, each time I reflect upon it, I'm amazed. (laughs) I stand in awe. I stand in reverence. I stand amazed. Because this love surpasses knowledge. Is that correct? No amount of books can be written about it. No philosopher can explain it. No social engineering in our society can come close to it. Nor can we, with our little finite minds... Try to comprehend because it surpasses knowledge. But friends, thankfully we get some knowledge of this love when we look at the cross. God has shown his love for sinners. And how does God prove that he really loves us? At the cross. And when we think of Christ dying on the cross, we are shown the lens to which God God's love goes in order to win us back to himself. We cannot measure such love by any other standard. God is saying to us, I love you this much. The cross of Christ is the heart of the gospel. It makes the gospel become good news because Christ died for us. Jesus stood in your place and mine. He took the judgment that, was, that I deserved upon himself. He bore our sins. And God has done something on the cross that we could never, ever do ourselves. That's the breadth, length, height and depth of the love displayed at the cross. Our memory text for this month, 1 Corinthians 1.18. Alright? I'm sure by the end of June you'll know it. <laughs> for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we can measure, we can see God's love at the cross. Romans eight thirty-eight and 39, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, any powers can separate us from the love of God. What an appropriate reminder for us this morning as we celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as his family, this love. As we pray for the love of Christ, in our lives, it should affect the way we live. One writer puts it this way. As his love fills our heart, the oxygen, and that's a great way of putting this, as his love fills our hearts, the oxygen for our sin is driven out. 
The love for things of this world cannot thrive in a heart that is filled with the love of Christ. The oxygen for sin is taken out. This love of Christ should see the outworking in our relationships in the home, in the church, in the family. Uh, Speaking of the need for love, just this last week, I don't know if you heard this news, of a Melbourne teenager who is living under a bridge. Did you hear that? The Melbourne teenager going to school while living under a bridge. She's 19 years old. She's been homeless in Melbourne for almost three years. And there's a picture of her in this little tent. She's staying under the bridge. She has all her books. And she's studying there. And outside of the tent is is a coat hanger with... uh, with a uniform in that. And it's kept outside. It's living under a bridge. 19 years old, student at RMIT University. Uh, at RMIT, or well, she, she wants to go in there. That's the idea. And she loves legal studies and wants to be a criminologist. And she's studying hard. Where? Under the bridge. Where are we living? Melbourne. Are we not the, the most livable city in the world? Is that... Are we not? How sad is that, isn't it? It broke my heart. It broke my heart to read of a person without a home for three years. We have children. Those of us who have children. It touches us, doesn't it? And I ask myself, where is love? You see, we can speak about love. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost thinking to to see somehow to get in touch to see what we can do. Here is a a practical application of love, isn't it? It's a great need, friends. I tell you this. There is a great need for genuine love in Australia and in the world. And only Christians, by God's grace, can show that love because we've experienced Christ's love. I'm not saying others can't. I'm not saying that. But as Christians... We can show what real love is. The sacrificial love. And Paul goes on in his prayer. That you be filled with the fullness of God. That is, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It is one of those phrases that leaves us wondering, what is Paul saying here? Is it looking to our final state? Verse 19, of perfection in heaven. I think that the context of Ephesians makes it, uh, would kind of help us. See, Paul has already spoken of the body of Christ that it already shares the fullness of God. As his people indwells us, as, sorry, as his people Christ indwells us through his spirit. And Paul prays that Christ may be at home in our hearts, verse 17. And I think the context suggests that he continues this prayer that now we be filled with the fullness of God. That is that in this sense his prayer is that we may be all that God wants us to be. That is that the believer prays for spiritual maturity. This is the prayer that we may be filled with the fullness of the knowledge of God. Somehow that God will give us that understanding and be able to be spiritually mature and, and growing in that maturity. And how does Paul finish this prayer? Look at verses 20 and 21. Paul finishes this section with a doxology of praise. Now to him who is able. That's why I titled this message, God is able. This entire prayer 
that Paul has prayed for inner strength, for love, for fullness of God, everything else is tied up here now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we may ask, think according to the power at work within us. Friends, our God is able. Don't you think so? Our God is able to do, look at the text He is able to do far more abundantly than we may ask or think. We come to a Father who is able to do more than we can ask. The, word, the, the, the original word for, for more there is, is infinitely more, immeasurably more. We may not have all our prayers answered the way we expect it. But God's wisdom and power and intentions are beyond what we think. This God who made the whole world, the God who holds the universe in his hands, is the same God through faith in Christ, who is our Father. So friends, don't be afraid to be able to come to this God, to be able to pray to him, to be able to cry to him, to be able to bring your request to him, and to be able to know in confidence, I am not able, I am weak, but my God is able. It's hard, isn't it? Because we live in a society that says, I am able. We live in a society that says, I am the master of my own destiny. I don't need anyone else. I don't need another support network for me. Because I am me. It's about me. I am able to do these things. No, no. God is able. Whatever the challenge that you might be facing in your life, and for me, in my life, I was thinking about this, I was saying to Rose the other day, you know, God is able to do things. You know, we've been by God's grace in ministry for a long time now. And this is one of the texts that has always encouraged me to know, and I was reflecting upon it this last night, and I was praying about it this morning, and, to, and this is the assurance that we have that our God is able to do more than we can think, imagine, or even ask. And we have seen, and you have seen in your own lives, have you not? How God has journeyed with you when the mission impossible has become possible? We have seen answers to prayers, haven't we? Sometimes it may not have gone the way we wanted to. But God is able. You see, remember that, friends, that our God is, is bigger than our imagination. Our God is the mighty God, the powerful God, the living God, the, the, the all-sovereign God, who has displayed His love at the cross, and He speaks to us in the cross, and He says, I love you, my, the height, depth, breadth, length, is all demonstrated in my love. And this God says to us this morning, I am able to do. Boom. Then you can ask, think, or imagine. How's that? Do you believe this God? Do you trust Him? Do you know this God? Do you know the power of this God? You see, Christianity is not just a set of rules and a churchology and all of that kind of things. It's just which is all there. But Christianity essentially is summed up in a faith in the living God through Jesus Christ. Correct? 
It's about a relationship with this God. That God wants to enter into a relationship with you. So that he begins that love journey with you now on earth. And carries you through to eternity. Where will you spend eternity? If you were to die tonight. We had a conversational evangelism um, session last week. Where will you be? You know where you're going to be today, right? Do you know? You, you have a plan for today. Is that correct? <laughs> you know where you're going to be, hopefully, in the next five hours. Or next hour or two hours. You think, when I stop, I'm going home, I'm going to have my roast and whatever. You know, generally speaking, what you're going to do in the next week. Do you know where you're going to be in one year's time? 20 years' time? 50 years' time? I put the question more. What about 100 years' time? I suspect none of us will probably be here on earth. I suspect. <laughs> where will you spend that eternity? It's this love of God. Paul prays that prayer. As we trust him, as we pray for inner strength, for the ability to comprehend experience his love, for his fullness, God has the capacity. So Paul says, to him be the glory in the church, in, 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 in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. To him be the glory, to God be the glory. I remember someone saying, as we wind up our message this morning, someone saying to me, the blessings are ours, but the glory belongs to God. John Stott puts it this way, the power comes from him. The glory must go to him. Friends, this morning we have seen Paul's prayer, that we be rooted and grounded in love, that we comprehend the breadth, length, height and depth of this love, that is in Christ, the love that surpasses knowledge. The prayer is also that we be filled with the fullness of God. The prayer ends with an affirmation, God is able. It ends in a doxology of praise. And I want to encourage us to pray, as Paul prayed, so that we can say at the end, as Paul said, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Can we say it again? One, two, three. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that love. Thank you for the height, depth, breadth and length of your love. We pray this morning that you would help us to grow in that love. To be rooted in that love. To be grounded in the love of Christ. To know, to be filled with the fullness of God. To know this morning that our God, God is able to do more than we can ask, think or imagine. To Him be the glory. Amen.